the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Live from Northern California, it's Lifeline with Craig Roberts. He's the host of Northern California's longest-running conservative talk show. He's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. He's Lifeline's own Craig Roberts. Well, good afternoon to you and welcome. It is the 14th day of September, just about five minutes after 5 p.m. Here on your uh, basic Thursday ride home and wherever you might be headed. We assume you're heading home, but if you're not, whatever you might be doing, always an honor and privilege that you have invited me along. And uh, we're going to try to keep you company for the next couple of hours and address some issues, some important issues. And let me start by uh, saying probably comes as no surprise to anyone, certainly longtime listeners to this program, that some politicians are for us, but a lot of politicians are again us, as the old saying goes. And uh, that certainly to an increasing level is true in the state of California. Uh, we revisit a topic that we've been warning you about because it hits directly at your wallet. And let me start the disclaimer by saying you may hear comments related to property taxes in Proposition 13 and think, oh, let me wipe my brow in relaxation that it doesn't involve me because good or bad. I don't happen to own property in California. I am one of the many, many Californians that happens to rent. Well, I hate to be the burster of one's proverbial bubble, but if you are a renter of a home or a apartment or a condo, whatever it might be, this will impact you as well. Because believe it or not, landlords will pass on these costs as part of their doing business with you. And so this issue that we're about to discuss today has the potentiality of impacting every single person that calls the state of California home. Let me break it down for you. Despite warnings from a massive coalition of taxpayer advocates, business groups, and people just like you and me, 56 members of the California legislature just passed two of the most destructive bills possible, effectively declaring war on Proposition 13, and more specifically, on California residents. Assembly Constitutional Amendment 1, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, is a direct attack on Prop 13 that would remove the taxpayer protection of two-thirds vote of the electorate required right now to pass local special taxes. If this measure is enacted and the California state legislature gets its way, local taxes and bonds for infrastructure, which could mean anything... And public housing projects would pass with just 55% of the vote instead of the current 66.67, making it significantly easier to raise taxes on you, and your taxes could indeed go up at every election. 
added to that insult of ACA 1 would make it easier to raise your taxes. ACA 13 would make it much harder to do anything about it. Because ACA 13, let's just call it what it is, it's an outright brazen attempt to change the rules for passing constitutional amendments that enforce the provisions of Prop 13. So what have they effectively done here? They've effectively passed a measure making it easier to raise taxes on you and secondarily made it far more difficult for you, Mr. and Mrs. Voter, Mr. and Mrs. Taxpayer, to do anything about it. There's no limit on the kind of shenanigans that they could get away with. And if you thought, gee, the one thing at least that's a benefit from taxes in California, in spite of the fact that we have some of the highest sales taxes, some of the highest income taxes of the entire 50 states, at least, at least we have the protections that we don't get choked to death by property taxes. The California state legislature is aiming to change all that. Let's find out more. Susan Shelley joins me, president of communications with the Howard Jarvis Taxpayers Association. Susan, we've been warning listeners that this was in the offing, and now it seems like it's getting closer and closer to fruition. Give us an update. Let listeners know what's going on. Well, today the Senate passed both uh, ACA 1, which drops the threshold to raise your taxes from two-thirds, as you said, down to 55% local taxes. And they also passed ACA 13. I think that is still awaiting one final vote in the Assembly before it's officially passed, but probably that's just a formality. And ACA 13 is the dirty trick that you talked about that makes it harder to pass constitutional amendments that protect taxpayers. So this is a very sad day in California. The good news is these are constitutional amendments. They must go on the ballot for voter approval. I can promise you there will be a nuclear equivalent war to defeat these attacks on Prop 13 next year. Every voter in the state will know exactly what these are and exactly how fast they will raise your taxes and how they'll prevent you from ever doing anything to slow that down. We will make sure everyone knows. And we will certainly make sure that everyone who voted for them is fully fully informed of the consequences of that action and their voters will be alerted to how they voted to destroy Prop 13. Let me ask you a tough question. And Susan, you and I have talked about this in the past in relationship to sort of what I'll call the sneak attack of several years ago. Uh, we were dealing with, you know, the, the outcome of uh, COVID and so forth. And, and suddenly this very um, philanthropic almost suggestion was being floated that, gee, it's such a shame that senior citizens in California, uh, you know, who might choose to move to an area when they reach retirement closer to their family, maybe a little bit less expensive, move out of the Bay Area. You know, people do that. They sell the cheap, the expensive two-by-fours and change them in for cheaper two-by-fours and put a little money in the bank. So let's let them take the advantage of their current Proposition 13 status by creating essentially what they call a property tax portability. So you could essentially take that rate that you've been enjoying and allow it to follow you. And everybody thought, what a wonderful, isn't it so kind that our politicians in Sacramento are looking out for California senior citizens? Little did we know that, as we've said before, the big print giveth one thing, but the little print often takes it all away. Uh, And that certainly was this case where the the caveat to this sense of of largesse by uh, Sacramento was to say that 
benefit. And oh, by the way, when you die in that piece of property and you allow your son or daughter, your grandchild to inherit that property, um, we're going to we're going to let them keep your Prop 13 status, provided that as they are preparing for the funeral arrangements and mourning your passing, we make sure the state immediately notifies them that, oh, by the way, you've got 12 months to either move in or clear out, because if you don't occupy mom or dad's home, grandma or grandpa's home, as your principal residence, and we don't care what you do with your existing one, hopefully you'll sell it so we can make some, some uh, turn a little bit of money here and help keep uh, real estate brokers uh, in the pink, that uh, you're going to immediately, within 12 months and one day, see your property taxes reevaluated to the full current retail market value. So we give on one hand, but in a real big way, we take away. Now, I, I say all of that to provide context here. What is to prevent? Once the land language of this is crafted and it goes before voters, what's to prevent them from pulling another one of those dirty tricks where they effectively manipulate and lie to voters and tell us they're going to do one beautiful thing for us when, in fact, the real design here is to get their hands into our wallets? Well, that's exactly what they're going to do. You're exactly right. And and let me tell you about the dirty tricks that are in ACA 1, which is the measure that allows taxes to pass with 55% instead of two-thirds. First of all, they're saying, oh, it's, it's limited to infrastructure and affordable housing. Well, that's not much of a limit because everything is infrastructure and every city is under pressure to build some kind of housing project just to, to do something about homelessness. And even though we've been taxed and taxed and spent billions and billions, they want more. So what they're, they put something in ACA1 that says everything that's on the ballot at the same time as ACA1 is on the ballot would pass with 55% because ACA1, if it passes, is on the same ballot. So even though it will say in your voter guide that it needs a two-thirds vote under Prop 13, that will go away instantly. If ACA 1 passes and everything on the ballot with it at the same time will pass with just 55%. So that's the first dirty trick. And the, the rest of it is just that they are trying as hard as they can to make you forget that you've already been taxed for all these things. So they're going to come to you and say, well, this is for clean water. And, well, who doesn't want clean water? Well, we have to have a tax increase for clean water. Well, didn't we already have a tax increase? For, well, we don't want to talk about that. Didn't we already have a tax increase to do something about homelessness? Here in Los Angeles County, where I am, we've had three of them. And the problem has only gotten worse. So what are they doing in Los Angeles? They're going to try and do an extension. And I think they want to double the most recent homeless tax, which was Measure H. They want to double that. That was a sales tax. Sometimes they're saying about ACA1, well, we're just making it equal to what we did a few years back for school bonds, because school bonds now pass with 55%. But this isn't just bonds. This is bonds, parcel taxes, which are property taxes, sales taxes, utility taxes, anything they want to pass that they call, quote, infrastructure is going to pass with 55%. And there will be a fierce competition between all of these agencies, the transit agencies, the air quality agencies, the water agencies, the city councils, the county boards of supervisors. They'll all be competing to get their tax on the ballot, and they'll all be polling to see how many of them they can pass at the same time. This is going to be highway robbery for taxpayers. It's really very distressing. The cost of living is so high here, and we have the highest poverty rate in the nation. We have one-third of the state on Medi-Cal, 
qualifying for the low-income health insurance policy from the state, one-third of the state, 13 million people. And what are they doing in Sacramento? They're looking for a way to make it easier to raise taxes on everybody. And this is just sickening. It really is. And I want to go a bit deeper in terms of what we need to do to respond. If you've just tuned in, Susan Shelley with us today, president of communications with the Howard Jarvis Taxpayers Association. We warned you they would try to do this and they're heading down that road. Keeping the promise well, as I said, they give with the big print and they take with the little print. They're going to couch this in terms of, oh, it's going to help secure infrastructure. After all, we want to make sure that the police have enough money. We want to make sure the lights don't go out. We want to make sure your kids get to school safely by improving roads. Whatever the pretext is going to be, believe me, they will paint a rosy picture about how much they're helping all of us when, in fact, what they're really doing is squeezing the last life out of middle class taxpayers in the state of California. If we don't respond, I tell you what's going to happen here. We're going to wind up with a situation in the state of California, but where only the very poor and only the very wealthy can reside. The wealthy will have enough money. They don't care. The very poor, they'll be on assistance. So they'll be able to survive. It's everybody that's in the middle that's going to suffer the most. And believe me, their intention is to drain every last additional cent out of your pocket. They already proved that they don't care about any sense of of a financial legacy. Being able to work for years, buy a home, pay that home off, and then pass it on to your kids or grandkids used to be considered the honorable thing to do. State of California legislature just sees that as a way of getting their hands on more of your money. So how do we respond? That part of the story is our conversation with Susan Shelley, again, president of communications with the Howard Jarvis Taxpayers Association, back with more as Lifeline continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. All right, updating you. If you tuned in a bit late, we warned you what might be coming. The California State Legislature, up to their usual, no good. We've seen 56 members of the California Legislature pass two of the most destructive bills possible, outright declaring war on Proposition 13. But let's call it what it is. It's really it's really declaring war on California taxpayers and uh, middle-class citizens. Now, ACA 1 would remove taxpayer protection of the current two-thirds vote of the electorate required to pass local special taxes. That means if this thing becomes law, anytime they want more money, they just go in, they stick out a measure, and it only requires 55% of the vote to pass instead of 66.67. It's easy because so often, and I alluded to this earlier, people think, well, it doesn't impact me because I'm not a property owner. And how often folks think, oh, they're going to improve our schools and they're going to put more lighting and build new parks. Yeah, it's just the property owners that are going to be impacted by this. Thank goodness it doesn't infect me. And so they vote in favor of it, not realizing that every one of those expenses get passed on to you as a tenant, making matters even worse if we decide, you know what, we don't like this. Boy, they pulled a fast one on us. We need to reverse this. Well, then uh, the other portion of this, the companion ACA 13, changes the rules for passing constitutional amendments that makes it more difficult for us to be able to essentially reverse the damage that ACA 1 has done. And we're with Susan Shelley, president of communications with the Howard Jarvis Taxpayers Association. Two questions, uh, Shelley. The the, uh, the lesser 
lesser of the two, um, leading to the notion that some people hear this talk about Prop 13 and property taxes and think it only affects property owners. I want to have you speak to that and then, most importantly, how we need to be responding to this. Well, it affects everybody because, first of all, ACA 1 applies to sales taxes. And there are plans to increase sales taxes in Los Angeles County and many other places in the state where there were, I think, half a dozen bills that were just passed by the legislature that allowed these localities to exceed the cap on local sales taxes because it's supposed to be capped at 2% over the state rate of 7.25. But they're constantly passing these bills to allow them to take a little more. So in Los Angeles, I think there are 47 jurisdictions now that are at 10 and a quarter percent, and they could go to 10.75% under one of these bills. So these things affect all all people who are buying anything in California. So if you live here and you drive through a restaurant and you see the tax at the bottom of that check, that's that's what you're that's what you're dealing with from from ACA one. It's going to be easier to raise that, and it also affects utility taxes. And of course, if you rent, it affects your landlord's taxes. If you shop, it affects the owner of the store's taxes. So it's in the price of rent. It's in the price of goods. It's in the price of everything you buy in California. When we raise taxes, the cost of living goes up. And the payments that people are going to make when they work go down. Because how many hours are people going to get at their job when everything is getting so much more expensive? The owners are going to try to cut hours or they're going to lay off staff or the companies are going to move to another state because it's so expensive to do business here. So you're getting hit on both ends. You're getting the extra cost and everything you buy, the higher prices for everything you need and the lower wages and fewer jobs. So it's just, this is just crushingly bad policy. It is indeed. And, of course, as I alluded to before the break, they're they're surely going to pull their usual dirty tricks in terms of how they word the language. They're going to set it up in a way where a no means a yes and all that. You know, we've we've seen those games played before. Most importantly, at this juncture, uh, how do we need to be responding? I mean, does this where, where does this go next in order well, for it to get to to eventually go before voters? Well, it will go to the ballot. ACA 1 is set for the ballot in November. And I think ACA 13, if it gets the vote that it needs tonight in the Assembly, I believe that could be on the March ballot. So the best thing to do is join the Howard Jarvis Taxpayers Association and stay alert to when they're going to be on the ballot. You can write ballot arguments for local taxes. Keep an eye on that because probably before December 1st would be the deadline. If you have a local tax that's going to be on your ballot in your city, in your county, in your special district, you can write an argument that will be in the voter guide that everyone will see. Every household that votes will get that voter guide. And you can write an argument saying no on this tax because you've already paid this much and this much and it's not well thought out and it's too much money. And you can write an argument that the voters will see. That's probably the best thing that you can do about the local taxes. And for the overall picture, the Howard Jarvis Taxpayers Association at hjta.org and help to strengthen the voice of taxpayers in California. We have a lot of work to do in this state to save the middle class because you're exactly right. This state is well on its way to being an oligarchy and one-third poverty and everybody in the middle leaving the state. And that just should not be happening in California. No, I mean, you know, particularly for those of us that have been born here, we love this state. 
We call California home. We may have a family legacy. I know certainly my family has been here and called California home for over a century, since 1908, to be uh, quite precise. And and the notion of the possibility of being kicked out because of a lack of affordability, not not because I'm trying to buy a mansion, you know, with 38 rooms and 14 baths, uh, you know, and living beyond by means, but, but simply in this case, hanging on to family property, property that you've worked hard for, paid taxes for for years. Uh, worked hard to maybe if you're one of the, the handful of fortunate Californians even pay off the mortgage and then find out guess what you thought you were secure in California uh-uh they've got their hand deep in your pocket and they're going to try to take every spare nickel they can get their hands on I think it's absolutely criminal uh, and you know sadly everyone in the California legislature all the way up to the governor uh, there's never a thought of let's try to you know reduce our spending manage the budget better if we get a little bit of surplus. We never think about saving it for a rainy day. No, let's give it back. Let's see if we can buy some votes with it. You know, as if sending somebody a check for $250 is going to change their life as they did during COVID. And then when they decide they just don't have enough, instead of saying we need to do a better job of managing the money we have, instead they say, let's go out and get some more money. And that's exactly what these two propositions are designed to do. To take more money out of your pocket and then make it more difficult for you to do anything about it. So we need to start getting serious here. Unless you're ready to pack your bags and just call it quits, I, I'm, I'm not ready to give up on the state yet, and I hope you're not either. More information if you go to the Howard Jarvis Taxpayers Association by simply going to HJTA, think Howard Jarvis Taxpayers Association, HJTA.org. And Susan, I, 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 I hate to be a pest, but I imagine we're going to be hearing a lot from each other in the coming months as we head into the the election cycle next year because uh, it's going to be important for every single Californian to be forewarned and to be forewarned, of course, is to be forearmed so we know how to battle this and how to save our state. We will be in touch all the time, keeping everybody up to date. We appreciate the great work that you do, and thank you so much, Susan, for spending some time with us to uh, bring all of my listeners here in the San Francisco Bay region up to date. Susan Shelley, President of Communications with the Howard Jarvis Taxpayers Association. Watch this space for more details as uh, ACA 1 continues to wind its way toward a ballot box near you. And, uh, boy, what, what a shame that they're, they're pulling this stunt. And clearly, clearly they don't care about your pocketbook. But we need to send a message to Sacramento. We're not going to let them get away with it. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. All right, so on to more pleasant conversations after uh, doing battle with Sacramento. But you know, we gotta we gotta stand up for what's right, and we also have to look out for our best interests because if we don't, Sacramento surely isn't going to. There is a very special conference that, in fact, will be returning to the San Francisco Bay Area starting tomorrow. It is the annual Lead Bold Conference. It is uniquely designed for women in leadership roles of every shape, form, fashion, size, whether it's a full-blown church or a small side ministry, whatever it is that you might be doing. This is really a unique conference. And to tell us more about it, we're joined by Executive Director. She herself has been in ministry for more than two and a half half decades. She's got an MA in theology from Fuller Seminary, currently serves as teaching pastor at Crosswinds Church in Livermore. We're pleased to have with us the executive director of Lead Bold, Andrea Coley. Andrea, welcome again. 
Hi, Craig. Thanks to be with you again. I am so thrilled here, kind of in the 11th hour that you've carved out a little time for me, because I know things are, are things are a-jumping, as they say, getting ready for this conference. And I guess the big question is, I've kind of set it up in terms of the great value, and we'll go into that more in a moment, for um, women involved in leadership roles or, or feel being called in that direction. But that said, is there still time for folks to register? Yes, thank you for asking. There absolutely is. Um, We have an incredible volunteer team here that is, as I speak, doing all the things. I stepped away for a few minutes to be with you here, Um, just getting ready for every woman to come. And we have planned to make room for those who might decide to come even at the last minute. So I would highly encourage that because um, if she has a chance to carve out a couple of days here tomorrow and Saturday, I think she will find it to be really nourishing to her soul and her leadership. Absolutely. And maybe you've been kind of out of town. I know that we started talking about this uh, just prior to uh, the the end of the sort of the official end of summer. That's the way I view uh, Labor Day weekend. Say, I haven't heard about this. What what conference? What What's going on? Well, we've got the right person on the phone to tell us more about it. This is an annual conference, as we mentioned, and it is uniquely designed to equip women to really not only come together, share best practices and encourage one another, grow in their faith, but also grow in their skill set toward whatever it is that God has called them to do. Walk us through, if you would, some of the highlights. What will attendees be experiencing over the next two days, Andrea? It's everything that you said, and we we kind of... uh through a few different experiences. We've got our main sessions where we all come together, where it's kind of like church on steroids. We have worship, we have incredible messages, um, but you're doing it alongside women who are leading in in ways that you are, in ways that at least you have something in common with them. So it's something really special that happens. We also have workshops where you get to pick which workshops you go to based on what you're looking for in your leadership, how to be stretched, how to maybe Um, think about something differently than you currently do. And then mixed in with that, we have small groups to keep the conversations going. We have some contemplative space in our our conference uh, to kind of just sit and be quiet and really listen to the one who is truly the one speaking to us. So it's a whole mix of, of ways that we create this space for women to pay attention to what God has for them. And, you know, I know we've talked about this previously, but I so love that you've built into the program sort of that quiet time, uh, because so often we go, we'll go to a conference, we'll go to an advance. Some people call them a retreat. Better to call it an advance, I think. And we we hear from speakers, we hear from teachers, and it's kind of like absorbing information, like, like drinking from a fire hose. It's so much coming at you so fast, you don't really have a chance to pray, you don't have a chance to absorb all of it, and then before you know it, the event is over with. It's back to the day-to-day world, and you're scrambling through your notes trying to figure out what exactly did that mean, right? So this is really designed to to build in those moments of, of reflection and quiet time so you have a better chance to absorb the information, and I think it's just brilliant that you guys are doing that. Give us a sense of sort of the breadth and scope. Some folks listening right now might say, well, Andrea, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not really that involved in leadership. I mean, I, I do lead a, a, a Bible study group, but I, you know, I don't have any sort of official ministry organization or title behind me. Is this something for me too? 
We have such a broad scope, really, that we reach um, because, yes, it is for her, too. And it's also for the woman who is full time on staff at a church. It's also for the woman who is leading in a faith based organization um, on staff or as a director or as a volunteer. Um, we we really open this up to um, women who are leaders, who in some form of their leadership, they are doing ministry and whether that is as Bible study leader at your church, whether that's at a chaplain, um, you know, one of the one of the women who's coming, I know she's a volunteer chaplain for the police department. That's beautiful. What a what a beautiful ministry. Um, we have women that come that might be a speaker or a worship leader um, in some kind of volunteer or staff role at their. It's a really. Br- we also have women, especially some of the younger women who maybe they're. You know, they might feel that pull toward they're not leading in a really official space right now, but they want to follow nurturing that gift that's in them. So it's all of those things. And we find commonality in being women who have a leadership gift and we are using them in some kind of ministry way. And and a lot of the information that will be presented by the various speakers uh, is not just informative. In other words, sometimes you come to these conferences and you feel like you're back in college again taking copious notes because it's very heavy in terms of theological content and, 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 you know, practices and formulas and things of that sort. But you're really also purposely building in a time of, of renewal and refreshment. So I would imagine many of the women coming away after this two-day event will not only feel like they've had their heart filled with a lot of useful knowledge, or their head filled with a lot of useful knowledge, rather, but also their heart filled as well. Definitely. And it's like I was saying before, you do have some ability in the conference to curate what you need. I mean, you might be someone who feels like they do want to have those theological conversations and that rigorous leadership discussion, and we have that. And you might be somebody who you know, you just need that space to um, be still and come back to who you are in Christ aside from what you do in ministry. And there's there's a place that that's going to happen as well. So um, absolutely, it it is going to feel like there's a lot. Uh, so I can't say they won't feel like they're drinking out of a fire hose, but... <laughs> At the same time, you know, we will give that space to process. And it's funny you said that about having the notes and then looking at them later. My intention when I go to these is always to look at those notes later. And I'll tell you what, Craig, I don't know if I ever actually do that. So it's part of why we create small groups and chances for women to be processing what they're learning as they're learning. And that's great because that right goes right to the heart of the biblical concept of iron sharpening iron. And I, and I think yeah. that's brilliant. Two other quick points, if I might, not to belabor this. And again, if you've just joined us, Andrea Coley with us today. She is the executive director of Lead Bold, this women's leadership conference taking place tomorrow, Friday, and all day Saturday at Crosswinds Church in Livermore. You can go online to get details and make reservations even here at the last minute at leadingbold.org. That's leadingbold.org. But Andrea, I'm, I'm struck by the fact that amongst many of the workshops that you'll be offering over the course of the two days, is offering some insights to help women in terms of understanding how to kind of bridge the generational gaps. You know, in the old days, we used to jo- we used to joke about the generation gap. Now, my goodness, in some aspects, it's wider than ever before. It isn't that we don't understand some things. It's just that for some of us older folks, maybe in the baby boomer generation, we hear to, you know, Gen Zs and Gen Alphas and think, 
they're speaking a foreign language. I don't know <laughs> what they're saying. So talk to us about that and also the intentionality with which you're also providing encouragement in terms of understanding inclusivity, given the fact that the makeup of the Bay Area region really is representative of the entire world. Right. Those two workshops that you mentioned are both about knowing how to lead someone and love someone who might be different from you, different in your age or your generation, which might mean you're in your language, you know, the kind of way that you prioritize things, um, and as well, different in your ethnicity um, or your culture. And so with the one that is on, you know, leading and understanding um, or working alongside millennials and Gen Z and Gen Alpha, yeah, we have um, a woman who is an expert in this area to come and really just help us understand whether we are in one of those generations or not, the truth is we all work together. And so often those differences grow and become things that are a hindrance to ministry and leadership. And really, if we just understood each other better, um, we're confident that, that we would be doing kingdom work much better and we'd be loving each other so much so much better. So that one is about that. And then, yes, we have um, two other women that are coming to teach about helping us to have eyes of belonging and inclusivity in our ministries. And again, it's this idea of I come to my leadership and the ministries I'm a part of with my own perspective and my own story and my own culture. And it's not always being open and receptive to other people's. And so what does that look like for us to be very, very intentional about that? And I, and I think in particular, as believers in the San Francisco Bay Area, look, uh, whether you feel God called you here or this is your chosen home, whatever the case might be, if you want to know what the what the world looks like in terms of global evangelism, you know, in the old days, you used to have to raise some funding, get a passport, learn a foreign language, and then head overseas. Today, you open up your front door and there's the world at your doorstep. And while some see that as a challenge, I see that as a gift and a wonderful opportunity because we literally have an opportunity here in the Bay Area to reach the world for Christ. And so if you live in the Bay Area, uh, it's really not much of an option. It, it, it's not just something you get to do, it's something we need to do. And so learning those skills to how to be better at that, I think is critically important. All a part of the upcoming Lead Bold Conference. Again, Hosted by Crosswinds Church in Livermore. It starts tomorrow morning, September the 15th, and will run both Friday and Saturday. Not too late to sign up. Show up at the door. Use my name. No, don't use my name. They might kick you out. But <laughs> mention KFAX Radio. They'll welcome you in anyway. Uh, check them out online at leadingbold.org. That's leadingbold.org. And Andrea Coley, Executive Director of Lead Bold. We appreciate so much the time, and we wish you Tremendous success both tomorrow and Friday as women from throughout the Bay Area come together to enjoy this incredible two-day conference. Again, online at leadingbold.org. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. All right, welcome back to the conversation. Well, school's back in. Many parents are breathing a sigh of relief and other parents are saying, oh my, we don't know what's going to be ahead given what happens um, in the um, public education sector these days and um, helping to spread a little bit of solid information and real options to young people as they struggle with becoming an adult and everything that's thrown at them, of course, is our friends at Real Options. To find out more and their amazing school education 
education program throughout the Bay Area, Valerie Navarrete joins us, Senior Director of Education at Real Options Obria Medical Clinics. Valerie, welcome. Great to have you back again. Uh, as school is back in again, of course, many parents uh, do legitimately worry about, okay, what are they going to hear in school? And we, we hear so much about the approach to sex education, things of this sort. And oftentimes it seems to be an invitation for children to experiment rather than an education we encourage them to hold out until marriage. Give us some insights in terms of some of the programs that are being made available through Real Options to help kids about the Bay Area. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for having me on. Um, you know, uh, for those of you that know or you may not already know, but uh, at Real Options, we are really blessed to be able to provide services and programs through our three ministries. So we have prevention, which is our education for youth and parents, intervention uh, through our medical clinics and our college campus outreach and restoration through our reproductive loss healing but our like our real desire is to equip the next generation to make those healthy god honoring choices when it comes to what we consider to be risk behaviors like premarital sex or um, experimenting with drugs and alcohol so we really strive to set students up for success by focusing on those relationship skills we have this excellent curriculum called real essentials and we use it to address the social and emotional health of our students and also to empower uh, parents and churches um, who are navigating this space in really unprecedented times um I can say that we've seen an increase in our programming, like in the need for our programming, uh, just in the aftermath of COVID, like you already touched on, you know, so many schools are just, uh, you know, they're dealing with students who are struggling in that social and emotional space, uh, behavioral issues, um, all of those things. This is where our programming comes in and it really helps to address some of these needs. I can say you know, across the board, the, the teachers and the principals and the parents uh, that are exposed to our program, like just rave about the value and they appreciate uh, just the niche that we're in. Um, we really want every student to know that um, they deserve to be respected and they deserve to have healthy relationships. And um, through that, they can have those great connections um, and all of that put together will help them to make better life choices and avoid those, you know, those risk behaviors. You know, and isn't it amazing that uh, I, I think we've kind of missed the mark for so long that particularly in the uh, public education environment, that it's been uh, top heavy in instruction about so-called, quote unquote, sex education and yet hardly any discussion about relationship Education, and, You know, years ago, there used to be an adage, Valerie, I don't know if it still holds true, but they, they used to say that that boys give love to get sex and girls, uh, you know, give sex to get love. And, uh, you know, that notion that it really this boils down to the dynamic, the relational dynamic. And if you come from a home where there's not a healthy dynamic between mom and dad, maybe there isn't a mom and dad. You've never seen mom modeling of what a healthy relationship looks like. You only know brokenness. And of course, you know, broken people, they, they, they wind up living broken lives. And so taking the approach to help young people understand that this is just more, that this is not just the birds and the bees. It's so much more than that. Oh, absolutely. And you know, that's one of the things that I really 
um, that I appreciate about our programming because it does, you know, it transcends um, all of those different, uh, you know, stereotypes or silos, if you will. Like, you know, we're in public schools, we're in charter schools, we're in Christian schools, we're in churches. We're, um, you know, we're with Boys and Girls Club and their clubhouses because that material, that that relationship component is just so um, foundational, right? And I, I agree, you know, I think that the schools have skipped over that. We've kind of gone from, um, you know, anatomy into sex education, but there is this whole relational aspect and um, ultimately for young people to succeed in that relationship space, there are skills that they have to have, right? And if they're not being modeled at home, then when are they gonna learn them, right? Um, so we're really, we're, we're just super um, excited for this next season. We're excited to, to be welcomed back into some of the familiar sites that we've been in for a long time, like Alum Rock. And then we're really excited to, to you know, continue to foster some newer relationships that we just started this last year. Um, and one of those new relationships is like uh, the Crystal Ray schools in the East Bay. Um, and so we're really, uh, you know, we're just really excited for that. Um, and I'd say... You know, one of the things that's also on the horizon for Real Options this fall is uh, we have some churches lined up and we're going to be doing uh, both parent and student components, which is really awesome because the parents can learn those same skills that the students are learning and help to reinforce them at home. That's excellent. And, you know, I guess the important next question I'm going to ask is for folks listening, saying, wow, I, I didn't realize that this was going on. I, I would love to get involved or in one form or fashion be supportive of the work that Real Options is doing in our schools and in partnership with other community organizations. How can folks get involved, Valerie? Yeah, great, great question. Uh, so first off, if you're a parent, if you're a grandparent, if you're a teacher, a pastor, um, you have a connection, you see a desire in your community, your sphere of influence, you know, reach out to us. We are always welcoming warm introductions. Um, and, you know, we would love the opportunity to serve your youth. Um, secondly, we're also always on the hunt for educators so uh you know god's been opening a lot of doors and we have a lot of great opportunities coming up this year so we're looking to hire um we're especially excited about breaking into the east bay territory we started last year and uh we're continuing that momentum moving forward so if somebody's interested in that they can check us out at friendsofrealoptions.net um and lastly you know we are coming into our fall fundraiser our fall gala and um so ignite life 2023 we're super excited um, it's on November 4th, virtual or in person. Uh, Abby Johnson's going to be our guest speaker. It promises to be a really great night, and you're going to get a lot of us doing and, um, you know, just how God's using real options. So, again, you know, just come out to uh, friendsofrealoptions.net. You can find out about all those opportunities. Great. And again, that information available to you at friendsofrealoptions.net. That's friendsofrealoptions.net. Our thanks to Valerie Navarrete, Senior Director of Education with Real Options Obrea Medical Clinics. Valerie, thanks again so much for the time. Well, here we are, just about 6 o'clock, and it's a Thursday. You know what that means? That means we have Church of the Week and a conversation with the pastor of the Church of the Week coming up around the corner, so you want to stay tuned for that. So we'll take a brief time out kind of got to you know stretch the vocal cords a little bit here and uh, we'll come back with more so stay tuned hour number two of the thursday edition of lifeline straight ahead coming your way tonight from kfax 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.